God's design is that there would be elders to lead the church. Everywhere we see in the New Testament, there's not just one elder, but the church is establishing elders. Right. And if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And seeing our elders, every one of their gifting, how God made them, their unique viewpoints, perspectives, like you said, it's a true gift that I would never want to not have that. Welcome to Keystone Conversations, our podcast on the topics and issues important to the Keystone family. Our hope is to give you insight, wisdom, and resources as you press on to know and follow Jesus. I'm Randy Woodbury, Executive Pastor here at Keystone, and with me is our lead pastor, Brent Minter. What's going on, Randy? Finally normal, unjet-legged, and I look at the calendar, and two weeks from Thursday is Thanksgiving. Unbelievable. Where to go? It's gone. Um, this fall has been crazy. You just mentioned it. I was traveling, and then when I traveled home, some bugs traveled with me that knocked me out for way longer than I wanted them to. Not fun at all. Not fun at all. So we're a little behind on the podcast, but we are here, and uh, this is actually something we've been scheduling for a while to Absolutely. talk about an issue uh, that we get to deal with as a church in December. Why don't you set that up? Yeah, so as Brent mentioned, this time of year, as we're heading toward our member event, and for those that are members of Keystone, that is on December 3rd. You should have gotten a recent uh, notification and communication on that last week. But at that event, one of the main things we do in our winter event is to affirm new elders here at Keystone Church. And so we yeah. thought it'd be very helpful to our Keystone family to provide some insight into how our church was organized, what's that mean, what's the process. And so all of today is about the elder process, what that means, where we're going. So Brent, I thought it'd be helpful to our people just to make sure everyone's on the same page because everyone comes from a different faith background, terms are used differently. Yeah. Walk us through, why do we have elders? What's their purpose? Yeah, I mean, we have elders because it's one of the offices set in the New Testament. And uh, so uh, it turns out Jesus is church and he has structure for it. Right. <laughs> I mean, we actually see structure all over. I mean, you think about... Even First Corinthians, like when the church gets a little rowdy, there's That's order right. brought to it. Mm -hmm. And so um, God's design is that there would be elders uh, to lead the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's um, sometimes in the New Testament, you'll read that pastor or elder. It's the same word, usually in the Greek, the presbyteros, mm -hmm. uh, which is an elder, pastor can be translated. Both those are really helpful. That's the earliest you've ever dropped Greek on us in a Keystone conversation. So well, new record. <laughs> sorry about that. That's my bad. But it, I, I mean, why do we have elders? I mean, it's because um, that's the way God... That's who God gave to lead his church. Right. And you might say, and I'll ask you this, is there is there other ways to structure a church? Is this yeah. a common way? How did we get to this point? Yeah, I think one of the ways that uh, you might see eldership unique at Keystone is uh, a word that we will use, and it doesn't make any sense unless you went to seminary, and that's the word plurality. What we mean by that is there's lots of churches that have one lead pastor or one elder, or mm -hmm. maybe they would call him senior pastor or lead pastor, and he is the elder, and there's only one. We would actually argue that everywhere we see in the New Testament, there's not just one elder, but the church is establishing elders. Right. And so it's a, I mean, I don't think that it's like God's angry at folks that are just running a church with one elder, but I'm just telling you, I feel sorry for that guy mm -hmm. because the load of ministry is so heavy. The spiritual responsibility, the organizational responsibility, not having a plurality of qualified men around uh, the leadership of the church is just, um, 
that's a heavy weight. Right. And so glad we know that. So we don't do that. And so there's a plurality of elders, and we can get into this in a little bit, but that's some staff, some lay. Right. And that's really important to us as we provide godly qualified men to lead the church. There's a great saying you use, not only in, in this context, you use it for staff, but also I think it's it's applicable to the elder context. If And correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And yes. seeing our elders, every one of their gifting, how God made them, their unique viewpoints, perspectives, like you said, it's a true gift that yeah. I would never want to not have that. 100%. Um, Couple of things that people might wonder is what do they exactly do? Is this just like a board of directors where we sit around and we have minutes and agendas? But there's oh. some key words that I think we lead out with, and I'd love you to talk briefly about these. And the key words are lead, feed, care, and protect the flock of God. Lead yeah. key. What does that mean to you? How are people to understand that? I think when I think of lead is um I mean there's you know, lead is such a or leader is such a huge um, mm-hmm. I would say almost a junk drawer term in our cultures because like there's leaders define. everywhere. It's right. like it's, you know, depending on what your role is, but leadership is so important to the church. And I would say in terms of the role, there's the elders in our church is they need to lead the flock of God, which means do we know by we mean you and I are both elders, like right. do the elders know where God is leading the church and mm-hmm. have they communicated that to the body? Right. If we're just waking up every day wondering what's going on, and we're almost like a ping, like a pinball mm-hmm. <laughs> in a pinball uh, machine, that's not a way to lead God's people. And, right. And so the role of the elders is to have the heart of God for our context, our community, our sheep, to know where we should be going as a church, and then in some way communicate that to the church. That's and great. So getting ahead of where we believe God is asking us to take the church, and then also bringing the people along. And that might be the primary thing that people think about when they think of elders and leadership, but there's three other parts of that that yeah. I'd say are just as important and, and frankly take up just as much of our time. Oh, man. Feeding, caring, and protecting. Yeah. I mean, feeding, it's just really clear. That's making sure that the Word of God is the diet of our church. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> um, I mean, practically that means that anyone who's preaching presents their sermon to the elders that's on right. a Tuesday morning. Uh, that's making sure that that sermon is not just coming from one person, mm-hmm. but that our whole elder team is behind it. Um, that looks like, so clearly Sunday morning, it looks like equipping and making sure that the Word of God is the diet in our church. Right. Um, uh, you know, there's that happens in a lot of ways, but just ensuring that the priority of God's Word and at every step, whether it's an elder giving the teaching oh, yeah. or not, it's always rolled up to an oversight of oh, yeah. what word is being teached from this. Yeah. What about care and protect? What does that come to mind? Yeah, care is, um, man, in in the context of the church, there's so many needs, mm-hmm. so many. I mean, from heartbroken to traumatized to victims to perpetrators right. to conflict in family to financial needs, to widows and orphans. I mean, my goodness, just life in general is complicated. And so, um, you know, to be fairly honest, most of the care in our church happens in a connection group because the spiritual family can really ensure that that is taken care of. However, there's needs in the community, whether it, or in the church, that do rise where the elders need to help. It's a significant care issue. Um, It's someone that has really gone through it, um, you know, and or even in the bad sense, uh, when church discipline is required, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so the elders have to be res- responsible for that. And of course, there's 
staff that are caring for a lot of those situations. But a, a way that that practically look is that we have a care list of like, these are all the issues we're aware of in our church. And that's communicated to our elders so that we're all on board and we know um, how we're helping people, how we're shepherding people in really critical care issues. And that's a monthly rhythm we do where we bring those things up. Yep. And, and people will think of the, the classic and common, you know, at the celebration standpoint, it's the weddings. At the sadness standpoint, it's the funerals. And it's everything in between 100%. that we're there for. And then finally on protect, I mean, it's interesting, uh, you know, there's there's verses about there's wolves out there trying yep. to harm God's people. And, and we see that. Yep. Um, some of them are very obvious. Some yep. of them are not as obvious. And our goal and our job and to stand before God is to protect this church from that as yeah. all, as much as possible. Yeah, if you look at the New Testament, I mean, uh, in Galatians, Paul is going hard after mm-hmm. the Judaizers. Call, Colossians, yeah. he's going hard after the Gnostics. You see in 1 Corinthians, he's going hard against those who are teaching a bad um, uh, practice of charismatic gifts. And right. so um, the role of the elders is to ensure that bad doctrine and those who would teach it and those who would want to harm the people of God that the elders are there to protect. Yeah. And so that's to correct bad doctrine. It's to remove people mm-hmm. who have ill intentions for the people of God. And um, and so sometimes people, uh, you know, with doctrine, there's people who have a strong agenda that we have to stand against. And right. there's sometimes it's just bad doctrine slips in. Right. And so we need to talk about those things. And you and I both know there are people that have tried to make their way into our community yes. that have horrible intentions that yes. we've had to ensure do not harm the body. And so that's a real like that's not a fun one for the record. No. <laughs> but um, but it's just it's something that's required for the purity of Christ's bride. And it's also helpful just to add on to that. There's there's so many issues people could fight about. Oh yeah. What is worth fighting about? A and great and point. there's a great amount of discernment and wisdom that we ask from God of saying, hey, a lot of our people, like you said, there, there's some people that have ill intent. Yep. Absolutely. There's others that are trying to navigate a complex, changing world and saying, okay, this is the hill I'm willing to die on. And we have to say, is this a hill worth dying on? Is this what the Word of God says? And yep. there's a lot of discussions on that yep. as well. So that gets to the one point that I think is is common. People have probably heard, Brent, as we talk about qualifications of elders, and we're not going to go through them all today. Yeah. But let me just give you some of the passages if our people want to look them up. You have Titus 1, 5 through 9. You have 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. And you have 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. As you think of through of those as a whole, what are some of the things that jump out to you in terms of some of the qualifications that would be helpful for you? Yeah, I think one of the most interesting things is is that we really have to care about a lot is that all these lists are not about someone's gifts and abilities. That's right. It's about their character. Mm, so good. And so actually the one really unique skill set, like a, a true skill they need, is that they need to be able to teach God's word. The mm-hmm. rest of it is like character, um, about how they deal with their money, about how they deal with their family. I, I, one of the ones that's unique that I think is awesome that we don't look at is an elder must be hospitable. Like, right. Are you willing to open your home and be available for mm-hmm. people like that? So God's word's really clear on the way that we are to live our life. And the, the, the priority of an elder is their character, not their skill sets, not the amount of money that they have, not mm-hmm. any of that nonsense. Um, man, do we want skills as we're leading a complex church? Of course. Mm-hmm. But God starts off dealing with character issues. Right. And I think it'd be also just to remind people, and we have not shied away from this. We've been very public about this, but we do think in terms of the role of elder, that is specific 
uh, to male headship in yeah. terms of the church. So yeah. uh, briefly speak on that. Yeah, I don't think that that's, I mean, that's not the topic of like what's men and women's role, but right. we would, we are a complementarian church. And what that means is, is that we believe men and women are equal yes. in every regard. We're both made in the image of God. And, and in fact, Keystone has worked really hard over the past years to say, hey, if we believe men and women are equal, let's ensure that we're giving women great opportunities and they're honored voices in the life of our church. Are we perfect with that? No. But one of the distinctions that we would say is that there is a different in roles is uh, in the church and in the home mm-hmm. is that in the church, God has designed men to be elders. And also in the home, God has designed um, males, uh, the husbands, not males, excuse me, husbands <laughs> in the right. home uh, to be a leader of that. And so we could talk about why we really dive into that, but that is at Keystone, a qualification that we embrace. And we think there's beauty in that. Um, and uh, we think there's beauty in that in the home. And at the same time, we have, so that's one of the uniquenesses is that male elders, um, but then there's also a lot of really great places that we want to make sure that women are leading and caring and doing in the life of our church. That's great. And hopefully that's a helpful background as we get into this next session, which is a little bit more just process-oriented. We want to be very open and transparent with how we determine elders and how that ultimately comes before our congregation. Yeah. Uh, but Brian, I'm going to put you on the, on the spot for now. Yeah. I'm going to make you name every elder off the top of your head. Go. Easy. So <laughs> staff and lay, It's easy, I, that's the way I go yep. through my head. Staff yep. is me, you, Matt, Fry, Todd Wallace. Yep. Then when you go to lay guys, it is Kent Spray, Kyle Thomas, Steve Michelson, and Eric Carlson. 100%. Gold star. And just quickly before we get to that and see how we all got to that point, yeah. um, the difference between staff and lay elder, uh, they're all elders. There's no biblical distinction between staff or lay. It's a helpful term we use to saying, hey, there are elders who are on staff and get paid yep. to do a job. Yep. And there are elders who have other careers and they get paid to do that. And what we want to do... Bur- they, no, they get paid to do their job. To their, do their job. They yeah. don't get paid. Sorry, guys. No one email me. <laughs> There's zero No one gets pay. paid uh, to be an elder. Uh, but um, what they what we do through our bylaws is we want to ensure that there isn't uh, too much what we like to say inside baseball. Yeah. So prior bylaws, that room has to be 50% split between lay and staff or weighted toward lay yeah. elders to ensure that it's just not staff only making decisions. Yeah, I think the way I would say that is it, it helps... Uh, ensure that the people who get paid by Keystone aren't making the aren't the the majority vote for how Keystone Correct. goes. So it's a checks and balance. So those that get paid, uh, we're, we're we're helping to remove um, any um, sin that could creep in there. That's right, and it's a very helpful thing, and yeah. we we would lo- we enjoy that. Let's get to the process a little bit because, uh, frankly, and Brendan knew I was going to do this, as we look across, especially the SALT Network, um, the beauty of the SALT Network is you have a 25-plus churches doing church continuously. And the amount and opportunity to get best practices and see what's working in context is phenomenal. But what we're going to talk about here, I would argue, Pastor Brent, is... This is one of our leading things that you helped develop and walk us through that, frankly, is being copied throughout the network in terms of the intentionality yeah. to our elder and train process. So briefly go through it with us just in terms of let's like, what's the goal? As we yeah. say, how do we figure out who's an elder? Uh, hit us some first steps and some of the goals. Yeah, I think, first of all, bef- thank you for those kind words, but um, 
I read a book one time called Still Like an Artist, and I think all good ideas are you've stole a lot of people, other people's good ideas. And I'm a good editor, so a lot of this isn't original to me, but I packaged it in a way and in a long process that is helpful. So, Can I give you the John Grissom short version? Yeah. Good authors borrow ideas, great authors steal them out, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I, I agree with that 100%. <laughs> so I think, you know, it seems like who becomes elders, that's a big question, honestly, mm-hmm. as a as my job is to to lead the elder team on staff, it it is a really uh, intimidating first question. So we just built a scaffolding that we can repeat over and over and over again. Um, and so the first thing is like, where do we pick our elders from? This isn't book, chapter, and verse. I think there's a lot of freedom. And I yep. think that there's a way that Keystone could use freedom and not follow this. But historically, the way we do that is, is we look at connection group leaders. Like, yes. Because we want to see people who have faithfully shepherded God's people. That's right. Like, if you can't lead a connection group, then chances of you being able to be a, a good shepherd to the whole church it's lower. I mean, but there might be someone who can do that well, right. but there's right. been a reason they haven't done it. So we, we're, we're open to that. But to this day, um, that's where we look. It's like, who are our connection group leaders? Mm-hmm. And so what we do is, is almost every year, we invite all of our connection group leaders into a into a, a course or a cohort of, that we call the Aspiring Leader Cohort. Yes. And so what the Aspiring Leader is uh, in specifically titled because... Um, the scripture says that if you're to be an elder, it's actually something you should aspire to. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of run a, to me, this is what I believe. I believe that every dude in our church, every male should aspire, even if you don't want the office of elder, the character of an elder. Right. And so we pull all of our connection group leaders, we invite them, it's not required to go through aspiring leader cohort. And we go through a book called Gospel Eldership. And what it does is, to the degree that all of the text that we talk about elder qualification deals with character, that's what this course does. Mm-hmm. It deals with characteristics of an elder. It presses on the idols of your heart. It deals with the way you deal with your pride, about how you uh, deal with your failures, about how you deal with your sex life. It deals with all of those types of things and right. really probes some of those questions. And we just get an opportunity to sit around other godly men to press into some of those questions and that's step one. And as a part of that, we also try to help all those people understand what it, as best we can, what it feels like to be an elder. We bring our elders through that so that everyone knows everybody. Right. And we also begin to ask some questions. Like we read the text of First Timothy, Titus, et cetera, and say, do you feel like you're qualified? Are there areas in your life where you should be working on? And lastly, we run them through some assessments to help them understand their strengths and weaknesses of leadership and, um, and, and, and ministry. And that's why it's a good clarification, just to repeat that. That's why it's not called aspiring elder cohort. Um, let's be clear. We have a lot more qualified men than we have positions. Man. And that's a, that's a gift of God. Yeah. Um, but what we're looking at is people that can lead in different contexts one of which could be an elder, yeah. but we have so many opportunities within Keystone, especially as we continue to grow and scale, yeah. to be leaders. And so this is such a valuable, you walk out of there with an examination of your character, some insight into your gifting and qualifications yeah. through the different um, assessments, and just a great camaraderie in terms of, hey, here are people side-by-side side co-laboring yeah. with me that are wanting the same thing. Yeah, and so I think from that point, we now have... Um, we've interacted with a lot of those guys. We've done some assessments, and I'll talk about the importance of the assessments in just a second. And so we have a really good idea and of what they've done in our church. And so we have a huge pull because we have a lot of connection group leaders. Mm-hmm. The next step is what's really kind of 
um, the magic, and I hate to use that word, but the wisdom right. of, of the process. Um, I read, A, I believe in plurality from a theological perspective yes. deeply. Um, next is, is I don't know, a long time ago, uh, when it first came out, I read a book by Doris Kearns Goodwin when it talked about um, uh, Abraham Lincoln and his role. In fact, it's sitting right up here on my shelf. Um, but the book is called Team of Rivals. Mm. And the whole point is, is that one of the reasons Lincoln worked so well is because he actually put people on his team that were not him. Yes. They, he, and it was his actual enemies at different times, but they were good at certain things, and he set that team up. And that made a profound impact on me when I read that book in my own leadership. Right. And it turns out Jesus talks about when you're leading his church, he wants a plurality of leadership. So we actually have really tried to articulate the needs of our room. So we do a lot of assessments in, like this. We use Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. and like, what are... Um, are, do we have all feelers in the room, all thinkers? We want a diversity in right. the room. We don't want the same person. We look at a, an assessment called Strengths Finders, and it, there's. I'm being really nerdy now, but there's really four domains, and it would be a really bad idea in Strengths Finders if all of our people were strategic, right. but not we had no one who was relational. Mm-hmm. We actually want people who can execute, who can influence, who can relate, and who can be strategic. Strategic. Those are the four kind of there domains of strengths yep. finders, we want to make sure our elder team is representing all those as well as an assessment called APEST, where a pro- this is Ephesians 4.11, some, God gave them, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So we believe that's the foundational gifts of the church. And so we want those giftings inside of our church. So if we had um, an elder team that was all very prophetic, very mm-hmm. like black and white, thus saith the Lord, but we had no shepherds on our elder team, we might be speaking truth, but people wouldn't feel cared for. Mm-hmm. Or if you had a lot of apostolic gifting, we would be starting more churches. We would be going more around the world. But if we didn't have any teachers, maybe our people wouldn't have good doctrine. Right. And so we want all of that. And so we actually look, where are the holes of our team? Mm-hmm. In age, we always want really young guys, and we always want some older perspective guys. And there's going to be a pretty good bell curve with that. And we're not going to release what those uh, ages are when you get, quote, considered old. That that keeps changing, right? That means you're insecure, Randy. (laughs) (laughs) But we want a diversity of young with who have kids. That's a huge representation. Absolutely. And we want some grandparents who have some perspective and wisdom and slower heart pay, Mm -hmm. you know, heartbeat. They're not as worried about everything. We want a diversity so that when we come in together, we're not all having a groupthink moment, right? but that we have uniquely gifted guys with uniquely different perspectives who can speak into every moment, and we come out as a better team because of it. And so that's honestly, Randy, um, there's guys that would be great elders, but who they are and the way God's wired them isn't the need of the team in the moment. And so that's such a unique thing. We're not playing favorites. Right. We're actually looking at the holes in our team and saying, what would be needed now? And that's a great distinction, especially to those that are interested in this and that they can say, well, why is X and not Y? And that's such an important part is that the the, the cohorts, the teams, we have a lot of options. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to have. Uh, as we work with church plants and others, they oh, don't yeah. have that beautiful options. They're just trying to find anyone who's qualified. Yes, and so since we do have that luxury, and, and I just want to be clear on this, sometimes the word diversity gets banned around a lot. There is no study 
none that doesn't show that intellectual, that diversity on every level makes you a better team. Yes. Because we have biases, we have holes, we have things. I mean, we know, we've know we known each other for so long, we can actually talk about them straight up in terms of, hey, let's think about this because of the way I'm wired or the way you're yeah. wired. It makes us such a better team for the whole of the body. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, and I think, so we take all that information and we have to listen to the Spirit of God. I mean, at the end of the day, um, there's some moments where like we feel like this is the next guy. Right. And so um, it's like, but we have real input, so we're not just... Um, that help us walk through that path. And sometimes, you know, so that's the process. Once that happens, we then we usually will extend an invitation. We'd like for you to consider this if they feed it back. And then we go through a whole nother process. So, yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, the the elder process, it might be broken up over time, but right. it's a nine-month-plus nine experience. And that is so unique, yeah. In many contexts, we take it seriously. We want it to be long. We want it to yeah. be clear. And so, just as Brent said, as soon as we have it narrowed down to where we think God leaving, they'll they'll do things like come into elder meetings yeah. as a participant, not yeah. voting, not but just seeing what our rhythms is. They'll have very clear questionnaires, position papers. We make yeah. them write doctrinal position papers, strength and weaknesses, moral failure papers. We don't want anything to be unknown to them yeah. before we do that. Um, but one of the key things. Brent, as we get to that end, even as we go through the nine months and, and we ask God's wisdom on this, it still ultimately comes back to our people yeah. in terms of that affirmation. Yeah, so we actually, I mean, the request that we have from our people is the elders um, come to our member event and we say, hey, um, here's the process we've walked through, mm -hmm. okay? I mean, they've written their doctrinal statement. They have said, this is my strengths and weaknesses. They have read lots of books like mm -hmm. we it, it's a process and so when we've walked through that they've been in this room um then then we feel good as elders to say we've done our due diligence to the best that we can to believe that this is the next that we're asking uh, you as a church we believe this would be a next great elder right. and we're asking the church to affirm it and so the what we're asking them to affirm is nine months of due diligence mm -hmm. nine months of working together um and and so the reason we're asking them to affirm is, again, this is a bylaw issue, but it's actually a really good. It's a final check. Right. Because by our bylaws, we have to put up who we believe should be elders two weeks before the member event so that right. we can't push people through. Right. And we will send an email to our, to our people and say, hey, we've done a lot of work. We believe these would be great elders. However, we can't know everything about them. Right. So if you know something about them, that is against the, the qualifications, mm -hmm. or you know some fishy things about this brother, we're begging you to bring it to mind. Yes. Because we we can't look around. So the, the role of the congregation then is to be honest. Mm -hmm. We actually, we're not asking you to stop a person. Now, there's a different, I mean, there can be petty, and uh, Randy, you've been a part of petty churches before. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so it's not like, well... They didn't say hi to me in the lobby. Right. No, you're being silly. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> who you root for on Saturday is not a disqualifying event, even if we would like it to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if there's something to be known, because this guy might be doing business in town and have a really bad reputation. Right. And we just didn't spot it. Right. Um, this guy, you might be in a connection group with this guy and you've seen them treat their wife horribly. Mm -hmm. We didn't spot it. There might be a decade-long broken relationship with a friend that we're not aware of. Yep. 
we didn't spot it. And so we desperately want the, the um, church's input. So we send that out to the, the membership. Hey, if you know anything, we would love to know. And then we bring them to the L, to the member event and we ask a vote. And we actually say, hey, if you vote no for this person, we're assuming that you know something that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we'll actually follow up with our members, not because you're in trouble because you didn't give us the right vote. It's right. because you may know something that we didn't know Correct. that would that would make this a reality, something that we don't believe this person should be an elder. And so um, I think, I don't know what you're going to ask about this, but what's interesting, Randy, is our, our, our terms of eldership are three years. Right. However, each of those elders must be reaffirmed annually. Every year. And we're asking that information about every elder, not just the two or you know one or whatever it is that year. Right. New elders. We're asking about every elder. Because at the end of the day, um, if, we, if I'm saying we, but let's just say, let's take me out of the situation. We want the people of Keystone to believe in the leaders in their church that they are that they are qualified and they want to follow their spiritual leadership. Mm. And if there's a reason that that shouldn't be, we want to unearth that as fast as possible so the godliness would lead our church uh, more than anything. What a great insight into what we're doing. And that was our goal today is to give you kind of pull back the curtains, makes it sound like we're, we're trying to, we're not yeah. trying to stop. But at some points, there's there's just a lot going on behind the scenes. You have busy lives, but just a couple more just practical details. As Pastor Brett mentioned, we have three-year terms. Lay elders after three years have to take one year off. Yep. That helps mandate some turnover yep. because we have seen situations where that's been abused, where, you know, you've seen the church, I've seen churches, you're an elder for life yep. and they never leave. And my other passion for that is, is it means that you don't have to develop new leaders. And I right. think that's bad. Right. Yep. Uh, there's always a point in our process. I think we could, you'll be okay with us saying this. There's a point where we would love longer terms, but oh my we goodness, have to yes. develop people. And it's a great challenge to us to do that. Yeah. Um, and so, also, a question you might have is, okay, this sounds great, but how has it worked in process? Have ever, has anyone ever not got through the process after going deep into it? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, would everyone know about it? Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, that's what the process does. Yeah. It helps vet things. It helps uh, share the light. And those are great shepherding opportunities. Yep. 100%. So last thoughts, Pastor Brent, as we go through, as we get into this elder process, um, what do you want people to take away and pray for us as we move forward? Yeah, I think I would say two things. Number one is um, super thankful for Keystone because we have a problem at Keystone that not every church has. We have more qualified men mm-hmm. than we have positions. Yeah. And so it's never who can be an elder. It's always the question of who should be an elder in this season. Mm-hmm. And what a gift. I mean, it's just a way to say, Keystone, we're so proud of you. There's so many godly examples of leadership in our church. And I think um, I, I'm super thankful for that reality and, um, and eager to continue to press on and make sure that that's more and more true in the life of our church. That's great. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, thanks so much for being part of our conversation today. If you'd like to know more about Keystone in general, hear sermons, or listen to more Keystone conversations, please visit keystonelife.com. Until next time, keep the conversation going.